Bibles with me. Psalm chapter 62. We were in Psalm chapter 6 last week. And um, I'm going I'm to use the word weirdly, uh, just because I don't know what other word to use. But weirdly, this is going to be kind of in line with what we talked about last week. I did not plan it that way. But we are in the book of Psalms, Psalm 62. And it should be here for you to follow along with me as well. And this in my Bible is titled, and I read from the ESV, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible right in front of you or right under your seat, um, or you can just look up. And I'm reading from the ESV, you might be reading from the NIV. If some words are mismatched, um, it is not a mistake. It's okay, we're speaking the same language. Verse 1 says, for God alone my soul waits in silence. I'll stop for a second. My wife didn't know that I was not going to come out right away, um, or come up, excuse me, right away. And she started talking. (laughs) Remember we talked a few weeks ago about how in worship, when we are wanting to give something to God, it's also important to stop and sit in silence. Because for as much talking as you're doing, we're not matching that with time and silence to hear back from him so look at what david is saying here for god alone my soul waits in silence from him comes my salvation we read that also verse 8 psalm chapter 6 last week he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress i shall not be greatly shaken How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. These are two declarations that he's made. The first one was verse 2. I shall not be greatly shaken. And we see it again in verse 6. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him god is a refuge for us those of low estate are but a breath those of high estate are a delusion in the balances they go up they are together lighter than a breath put no trust in extortion set no vain hopes on robbery if riches increase set not your heart on them once god has spoken twice have i heard this that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. I am not going to hit all 12 verses of Psalm 62, but I want you to take that with you in your heart. These 12 verses, just like last week, they have a lot of information, but they also have some repetition. I will not be shaken. I want to speak to you today about trust in waiting. 
Some of you have been praying for things in your life for a long time. And you're still waiting for an answer. What happens in that space of tension, though? We're tempted to like that meme that I often refer to, DJ Khaled, where he's just like, hey, God, just checking in on that prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No? The younger ones? It's all right, parents. The point is, regardless of age and experience and length of life, got to pause for a second. Will you stand up for me, please? Will you stand up? Yes, will you stand up for me? Today, I just, yes, let me help you. Can we just together as a church just praise the Lord for 80 years of life? Yes. 80 years of life. Let me help you back. Good. And so, I, I asked her today, she's like, I sit down next to her and she goes, today's my 80th birthday. And I, I, I look at her and I'm like, that's 80 years of stories. That's a lot of stories. But I can only imagine how many times in your life you went to God to ask for something. And again, that space of tension, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to be present in my situation. Psalm 62, historians say it's either written while he's still running away from his son. Remember, we talked about that last week. His son is trying to kill him because of the curse that he's put, a generational curse that he's put on his family. Or it could be during the time that Saul is, uh, uh, David is running away from Saul while leading Judah in a place called Hebron. Either way, David is in trouble. And I hope that these two weeks will teach you how to read the Psalms differently. Because who, do we know now that Psalms are songs? They're songs. He is a songwriter, and he ministers through song. He's a warrior. He is a king, but he teaches through music. So never let anybody tell you that music belongs to the enemy. Music was created by and for God. But just like many good things, we, humanity, turn them into something bad. This is music. That he's ministering to us with today. He's running away. He's in persecution. People are still looking to kill him. Remember, we said last week, thousands, friends that became enemies. And I asked you, who has enemies? You have no kingdom, but you have enemies. Your importance in, in, in terms of world politics may not be as great as David, but you feel like you have some oppression from people, and maybe feel persecuted by some folks. But in this time, David is choosing to worship and talk about his God and declare, I will not be shaken. But then what, did he, what does he say in verse 1? Wait in silence. Wait in silence, friends. Wait in silence. There's something about waiting that I think a lot of us misunderstand. Waiting means to be watchful. Waiting means being watchful. Isaac, what does that mean? Perhaps our desire for complacency 
may lead us to think that waiting, by its definition, means to do what? Nothing. Nothing. This is not the case when we're waiting on God, though. Remember, when we're talking about the spectrum of time in Scripture, we're talking about timelines from the very first day that God creates man... Fast-forwarding to the day that Mary and Joseph finally find a place for Mary to give birth to Jesus, we're talking about a long expanse of time, right? A long time where humanity was waiting for a Savior. In this time, religion is created. In this time, Judaism becomes a thing. And if you know anything about Judaism, you know that the Jews wait for what? They wait for a Messiah. Waiting on God does not mean waiting, doing nothing. While David waited, he was trusting, leading, and worshiping. While John was waiting, he was evangelizing and baptizing. So we have someone in the Old Testament, someone in the New Testament. Jesus' cousin John wasn't just waiting on Jesus, but while he was waiting on Jesus, he was preaching, evangelizing, baptizing in Jesus' name. While Daniel was waiting to be saved from the lion's den, he was doing what? He was worshiping and trusting. Waiting doesn't mean to be passive. Waiting means active stillness. Waiting means active stillness. It means to say all those things that you've been praying for God to deliver you from, what do you do once you pray? Lord, help my family. And save my children. Are you ministering to them? Are you praying over them? Are you bringing them into the house to be fed? Are you checking up on what they're doing? Who they're hanging out with? No, because the expectation and complacency is to say, Lord, save my children. Lord, bring me a godly man, a godly woman. Active stillness. You want a godly woman, you want a godly man, are you a godly woman and a godly man? Right? That's what I prayed for. I prayed, Lord, I want a woman that loves you and has no past. The ladies laugh, but the guys know exactly what I'm talking about. This is not a jab on my wife, because if you heard, the laughter came from the women, but not from the men, because we want to be out here doing whatever we want to do, but Lord, bring me a good woman. I don't want to deal with exes. I don't want to deal with children. I don't want to They're still quiet. You hear that? But was I able to be matched at that season of my life with what I was asking him for because that was my prayer from the time that I was five. My mom would come into my room and pray with us, Father, my dad's in the back, he can vouch for this. They would pray over our wives and we were children. 
But in that time when my mother at five and six and seven and eight, that my mother would pray for my wife was she's just, Lord, bring them a godly wife. Let me raise godly men. Right? That was my mom's prayer. So me and my prayer, Lord, bring me a woman who loves and fears the Lord. But I wasn't working on myself. This is not about being passive. Waiting is not about just being passive. It's an active stillness. As you pray for God to bring you whatever you're bringing to Him in prayer, how are you waiting? While we wait for Jesus' return, right? Because humanity, for those of us who have, who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not the Jews, we are waiting for the second time for Jesus to return. Right? That's the tension we're living in now where life seems the world seems like it's falling apart and maybe you found yourself saying maranatha lord come now the world is fall- what what a week we had like I, I couldn't even watch tv like my heart was breaking with everything that was happening in wisconsin i could not do it but that's the world that we're living in and there's times where i'm like come lord I love our church. I love our church family. I love living. I love being alive. And I love earth. I love whatever. I, but, but come now. These are the tensions in the waiting. And this is exactly what happened before Jesus came. Wars. Israel in captivity. Israel released into 40 years in the wilderness. Laws being broken. The world being flooded. Waiting on God. But the world didn't stop for these thousands of years and maybe way, way more. It kept waiting in an active stillness. Although there were hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus, did, the, did life stop moving? Did God stop delivering his judges and his prophets to the people? No. So look at how God joins us in the waiting. In the moments of waiting on him, he is still working. I know you've asked me for this, but I still need to give you breath, and I still need to give you life. He knows how to meet us in that active waiting. Waiting means being watchful. If you go to the book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, the prophet Jeremiah writes, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait, uh uh-oh, quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, does this mean, that? does the quiet and the silence that we read before mean once again that we do nothing? Does that mean that we don't pray? Does that mean that we shouldn't engage in relationship with God? Does that mean that we should engage in communication and fellowship with one another? No, this is a quieting of your soul. Wait on me I don't know about you but it I've certainly lived seasons of my life where I kept praying to him the same prayer assuming maybe he didn't hear me the first hundred times Lord just in case you missed what I prayed for last week I need that raise like just Lord and it's fine listen I'm, I'm sure God is not offended by you representing to him the desire of your heart, but he might be offended by you not trusting him the first time. 
If you're wanting to represent your prayer, feel free to do so. But what is your heart asking for? What is your heart thinking? Are you trusting in that prayer? Lamentations is written by the prophet Jeremiah, and he is writing this in a book that details the wrath of God. If you are in a sad season of your life, I would recommend you maybe just comb through Lamentations. It's in the name, Lament. The prophet Jeremiah, if you go back to verse 1, he says in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He's being crushed, not by an enemy, he's being crushed by God. I am the man who has seen affliction, from who? Under the rod of his wrath, that's God. But in that same chapter, he says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Are you waiting for him? Or are you waiting for the thing you asked for? big difference remember we've talked about will where we can ask God to deliver us to save us Lord I'm hurting I'm dying I'm ailing but do you want healing more than you want him you ever get so sick especially now around this time you get the flu or you get that you get so sick and you just you're afraid to swallow because your throat is so swollen that you forget what it felt like to be able to swallow like i wonder what it is to be healthy that's me i get dramatic when i get sick and i start contemplating right like you know like you wake up in the morning and it's just like i i wonder what it i don't remember what it felt like to be able to swallow normally but do I want healing or do I want him? What if he gave me him without the healing? What would happen? Advent is the season of anticipating the, the coming of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. From the day that God created Adam until the day Mary and Joseph again found that space for Mary to have Jesus. In Bethlehem, humanity has been waiting for a Savior. And like I said, for those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, believe that he was born to a virgin, we are once again waiting. How are we waiting? In the tensions of waiting for his return, for him to bring us back home to be with him. How are we waiting? How are we dealing with that tension? And remember what Jeremiah says. Again, in that verse 25, he says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. In the seasons of waiting, are you seeking him? Everybody prays. Everybody prays. Everybody wants something. An atheist becomes a believer when he is about to die. Let me at least try this out. What do I have to lose? But do you understand that more than God wanting... God doesn't exist to please you. 
God wasn't created for our pleasure. He created us to worship him, and we've established this. But in that waiting, are we seeking him? Are we listening to him? Don't let frustrations in your waiting keep you from what God has in store for his appointed time. You may be asking for something that is aligned with God's will, but allow him the privilege of giving to you when he knows you are best ready for it. A good thing at the wrong time can become a bad thing. A good thing at the wrong time can become a bad thing. Waiting means trusting. David in Psalm chapter 62, which we opened up with, he looks at his enemies and though he knows they may be strong, he regards them as what? But a breath. And he says a delusion in verse 9. Your situation may seem dire. You may be so sick and tired of waiting and crying for what you've been asking God for, but never forget that your situation through the eyes of God is but a breath. I talked last week about when I would tell my dad, no one has ever, been, ever had their heart broken like I had my heart broken. No, dad, I know, no, I know everybody breaks up at some point in their life with somebody, but nobody's ever felt what I'm feeling. The thoughts of a child, right? But then there's like, there's a relative pain to that. Now, even as adults, Lord, I am in need. But you hear nothing. You see no response. What is our response in the waiting? When you're unwilling to wait, you will miss God's best for your life. Remember Moses who missed out on the opportunity to get to the promised lands of Canaan because of his inability to wait and trust in the Lord. He let his frustration get the best of him. And distract him from what God wanted from him in that moment. He said, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. But because he was upset at the people, what did he do? He grabbed his staff and he cracked that rock open. The beautiful part of that story is that although he disobeyed God by not speaking to that rock, he cracked it open and God was still faithful to let waters run out of the rock. In, his in our disobedience, he can still choose to bless us and bless those around us, but we are still being disobedient. There's still consequence. We talked about consequences last week. He may bless us. He may meet us where we're asking to be met, but he doesn't always remove consequence. And Moses' consequence after all that he went through was that he was not able to see the promised land. Wow, all of that. All of that. For what? Waiting means patience. Waiting means being patient. We're talking about waiting and let us consider that humanity, once again, is on its second round of waiting for Jesus. And if I can speak to our single saints in the house for a moment. For those of you who are struggling and being alone, I don't care what age you are, we all feel loneliness. Sometimes it gets dark out and cold out, and we feel loneliness. And I know that the land seems barren right now, 
right? I know that choices might be few. And especially when you're a believer, because if you've been around me, at least in discipleship, I will tell you the first question you ask is, do you love Jesus Christ? Not do you believe in him. Do you love Jesus Christ? And what does love Jesus Christ mean? Love Jesus Christ means, do you believe, love, follow, and seek him? Would you choose him before you would ever choose me? That's how you qualify loving Jesus. And perhaps you're in a season of your life where any single person that walks into the church, walks into your job, walks into your Thanksgiving dinner, who is of the opposite sex, may seem like a viable option. Oh, he's cute. Oh, she's cute. She's got her hair done. His beard is all shiny. Jackie Hill Perry hits on this in in, in a sermon that I heard her preach. And she says, don't be with a man who doesn't love God just because you're lonely. The same goes for the gentleman. Don't rush into a season just because you feel like your skin is asking for it. How is that an investment on yourself? But this is real. It may sound a little harsh, but it's real. Let's be real. Somebody asked me the other day, I don't know, if you're in this room and you asked me that the other day, he's like, what do you think is one thing that the church like, struggles with teaching? And what I said was sexuality. Somebody said, oh, well, like the teaching on homosexuality. I'm like, no, it's all of sexuality. And especially when you come from cultural backgrounds because these things are so taboo. Or like these aren't things that you should be talking about from the pulpit. Why not? God put it in the Bible and I can't talk about it from the pulpit? How does that make sense? If you're single, don't read Song of Solomon. You guys don't read your Bibles. Song of, Song of Solomon? Is that, is, that a, is that a song or... If you're married, read Song, read song of Solomon. Read it tonight. Send the kids to bed early. So if God touched on these things, these beautiful things that he created, why wouldn't we talk about it here? Because that breeds a lot of other cancers when we don't know what our sexuality is through the eyes of God. It's a beautiful thing. But don't rush things that God is not yet ready to give you. We want God to present these things to us. But are you ready? He knows things about us that we don't know about ourselves. If he hasn't given you the gift of singleness, you don't think he has something great in store for you? Because if he didn't, he would give you the gift of singleness. But it's God's perfect time. What are you doing while you're waiting, though? What are we doing while we're waiting? Let me look at the. I don't want anybody to feel bad. I'm looking at the ceiling. While you're waiting on your husband and waiting on your wife, what are you doing? Are you committing? Are you who you're expecting God to bring you? That's only fair, right? I want to recognize that waiting is difficult. Yesterday, I took an emergency trip to go see my uncle who is not doing well. And although my father has been seeing him every other week, dad comes home and he sounds as hopeful as he's able to sound. It was different when my brother and I drove to see him yesterday. He's got cancer all over his body. Dad, with your your permission, I just want to share a little bit about yesterday. It was not good 
And if you can just show that picture of my uncle. Um, that's my uncle. You have no idea the pain that he was feeling in that image. You see that for a moment, he just... If you'll show the following image, because this is actually how he felt. And while we're there, we were there with him for maybe like two hours. And again, my dad finds a way to communicate to me how bad the situation is, but it's different when you see it with your own eyes, right? And we're sitting there, and my uncle, when we walk into the room, his arms are crossed. He's not moving. And the minute he laid his eyes on us, he smiled. And he was so overwhelmed that he started crying. And then the pain came. And then my cousin, who has been watching after him, she says, he's waiting on the medication. And the doctor hasn't prescribed the appropriate medication for him. And then my aunt proceeds, no, excuse me, my cousin tells us, because he says, my back, my back hurts. And the doctor tried to relay the level of pain that my uncle was feeling. He said every time he gets a shooting pain, it's like his bones break three times at the same time. And there's no medicine. They haven't assigned his medicine. And all he asks for was for us to hold his hand. And I look at my uncle and I'm like, Lord, if you won't heal... then take away. Somebody's dad, my uncle. But Lord, if you won't heal because you are Lord, save. And my brother and I, my brother, uh, although I'm the pastor in the family, my brother was the one who came over to my uncle and just started praying. I was praying. I didn't want him to feel uncomfortable and I didn't want to add to the room and my brother just starts praying. And in the middle of the prayer, my uncle goes through this excruciating pain where he looks up at the ceiling and starts speaking gibberish. And at the end he goes, my uncle doesn't speak English. He goes, no more, no more. I go to my uncle and I'm like, will you give your life to Jesus? You know how many times we presented Christ to my family? I I shared with you that a few months ago my grandfather died. And just time after time presenting him Jesus. Us waiting for them to say yes. All these years for me, waiting, waiting for my uncle to say yes to Jesus. And I didn't share that when we walked into this room... He had a Bible open on his chest and he was singing a hymn. He was singing a song of worship. Beautiful, right? Do we really need to get to our deathbed to say yes? Some of you are sitting in this room right now and though you might call yourselves a Christian, you've yet to say yes to Jesus. And how do we, but how do I know, Isaac? How am I convinced that, that yes, I have said yes to Jesus? It's because of how the fruit of your life in Christ is evident. 
You can't commit. Coming to the house is too much for you. That's why when I preached about your presence, our presence is the minimum. This church won't save you. You're being here Sunday after Sunday, it won't save you. Because you can sit in these chairs and have no idea who Jesus is. But is there fruit to your life? I look at my uncle and my heart is rejoicing. And I say, would you give your life to Jesus today? Would you do it? Yes, papito. He says yes. Someone shared with me afterwards that he already had made a decision in his life for Jesus. So I said, you know what? Awesome. I just came to reaffirm that so that his lips would form the words, I do. And then I said, wait. We're believers. There's a father. And there's a person who has said, yes, has said yes to Jesus Christ. Theo, would you be willing to be baptized in this moment? And that was the second picture. The second picture was me leaning over my uncle, grabbing water out of, I don't know what that's called, it's probably not for water, but it was clean, I promise. Grabbing water and putting it on his head. And if you see the look on his face, because that little bit of tap water was so cold for him. But in that moment, and my brother will vouch, three times I asked him because the medication, they had finally given him medication. It looked like it was starting to work. Three times I asked him, would you be willing to join Jesus in baptism today? And three times he said yes. And yesterday in that bed, we baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't share this story with you to pull heartstrings. I'm not a salesman. But what I'm telling you and encouraging you with is that there can be beauty that comes out of difficult stories. And this is the beauty that I hope that comes out of this troubling image. You don't have to wait to be in that bed. You can say yes today. You can say yes today. And what am I saying yes to, Isaac? Because I look on TV and all of these guys with their... With their with their fancy jets and the this and that. I'm not asking you to say yes to religion. I'm asking you to say yes to forever. We all go somewhere. Where are you going today? Today I'm convinced that my uncle will be with the Lord in paradise when it's his time. I'm not rushing him. But today I'm convinced that because of the decision he made in his heart yesterday genuinely, he's good. Whatever happens now, third week in a row, what's the worst that can happen? I die. I'm ready. I'm ready. Maybe not in the flesh, but my soul has learned how to wait for him. How are you waiting? Waiting means hoping. Charles Stanley says, if you waited this long, at least make it count at the end, right? And he says then, with Jesus. He pauses, with Jesus. Waiting means hoping. Are you tired of waiting, friends? Are you tired of waiting for whatever it is that you're asking for? Are you drained and feeling hopeless? Allow me to encourage you by using Scripture. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This tells me that waiting, though it seems passive, is fruitful in its activeness. The waiting is fruitful. 
Waiting on God produces new strength. It produces endurance. And it produces movement. Waiting on God produces movement. In that last portion of verse 31, it says, They shall walk and not faint. Friends, in this season of awaiting, let's wait while walking. And let us never faint. God has shown He is willing to do anything for us, even sending us His Son. Are you willing to wait on Him? Take that question with you. And let's bow our heads. Are you willing to wait on Him?